Welcome to Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. Even though the world is going to hell in a handbasket, barbecue teams are still out there cooking contests and chasing barbecue greatness in terms of KCBS Team of the Year. One of these teams is Chris Schaefer with Heavy Smoke. Heavy Smoke won the KCBS World Championship earlier this year and has been on a roll ever since. Chris has also started his own podcast, All That for Six Pieces, which is one of the best barbecue podcasts out there. So please join me in welcoming Chris Schaefer from Heavy Smoke. Well, I'm here with Chris Schaefer from Heavy Smoke. And thanks for being here, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I was on your podcast. It was probably about a month and a half ago. It was actually the last time that I competed in a barbecue contest. And it's funny that I'm talking to you. I'm taking credit for you starting your podcast. I'm going to say that I springboarded you. (laughs) It was very helpful and 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 teaching me which way I wanted to go. And it's funny, I'm talking to you again, and I'm going back to New Jersey for another contest again. So uh, it's pretty funny. He will bring you good luck. I hope so. It couldn't be, it's got to be better than the last time. You, you That's actually be. not true. We did pretty decent up there. So I mean, it's hard to get in a groove. Yeah. So let's jump right into it. What was the biggest turning point in your, what has been so far the biggest turning point in your life as a pitmaster? You know, I, I cooked for um, a lot of years. Uh, I cooked a lot of St. Louis Barbecue Society and I started, I started KCBS and with St. Louis Barbecue Society. And then the winter before I, before I won the KCBS Invitational, I just decided, like I always practice a lot. I just decided that I was going to commit to it. And my dad and I practiced every single weekend for like, Literally, the season ended. We had the KCB, or not the KCBS, the SLBS Awards Banquet. Mm-hmm. And then we, every single weekend, at least one day, for like 13 straight weekends. And then the, we practiced the weekend before the KCBS Invitational. We went in there and won that thing. But I, I could, I'd be willing to bet money I'm the only cook there that had coached the previous 13 weekends. You know what I mean? So we just got so dialed in, man, from spending that winter cooking every single weekend. I also took Brad and Tim's class for a second time that winter. Mm-hmm. And the first time I took the class, I wasn't as good of a pit master. So I, I took, you know, kind of how to cook hot and fast and that kind of thing. And the second time I took it, I learned how to finish. You know, I learned how to, or Tim always says he's fixing bad barbecue, you know. And um, that was where I learned how to, you know, you get to the cutting board and it's not perfect, how to make it perfect. So that was kind of the turning point for me. Right. And that's kind of his superpower in life is finishing. I've watched him go through the process at the end of a cook and just watching that is you really have to pay attention because it's it's super instructive and he's he's just a great great all-around cook well, i explained um, to a new pit master a couple weeks ago cooking his third or fourth cop we we're next to each other and i was explaining to him like i i like like tim i have a very good palate and so at the end i know how to fix it he's like well how do you get that and i was like well unfortunately i was born with it but it, it can be developed over time and for some people it can't be developed and then you kind of struggle but I mean, having a really good palate, knowing how to correct things is huge in what we do. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So in terms of day of, you're on the cook, what are some of the habits or rituals that you have? Barbecue people are some of the most superstitious people out there in the world. What's some of the, the stuff that you guys do in the trailer to, to get things in the right, right mojo? Well, I got a couple dumb things. Like I always wear my blues hog hat until I have a really bad finish. And then it doesn't come to the next comp. And then no matter what happens to the next comp, I usually go right back to my blues hog hat. But it's like <laughs> punish it for one comp. 
I, I do dumb things. Like last week I was getting ready for a comp and I'm like, Hey, where's my khaki shorts? And my wife said, Oh, they're dirty. She said, where are the gray ones? I was like, I got 33rd the last time I wore the gray ones. Where's the khaki ones? You know, um, <laughs> little things like that. But yeah, as far as in the trailer on day of, I don't know if there's any like, uh, like superstitions, but a lot of habits, like everything's got to be in the same place. My paper towels are in the same place. My knives are in the same place. And uh, everything is just very detailed as to where it goes. I think that comes from kind of the chef background of, um, I always used the term like mise en place where everything in its place. And that's, that's kind of the same way I cook when it comes to both. And that's huge. I think it's a huge takeaway from talking to a lot of people is having your tools in the right place and knowing where everything is and not having to look for it. It just makes it, that's so many different things that are off of your mind. And that's great. When I took Tuffy's class, one of the best things I took out of it was he said, I'd rather be looking at it than looking for it. And mm-hmm. it was so big to me that like, I might not ever need that spice grinder, but I'd rather stare at it every single comp and <laughs> sometime maybe I'll need it, you know? Right. Absolutely. So what kind of music do you guys listen to in the trailer? Um, so I do have a ritual on the way there and on the way back. So on the way there, I was listening to like Cody Jinx Pandora station, which plays a lot of Cody Jinx, Chris Stapleton, Jamie Johnson, Tyler Childers, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, on the way home, we always listen to Brooks and Dunn or, uh, or Travis Tritt radio. Cause my dad's more of that nineties country, older country guy. <laughs> and then in the trailer, it's like no secret about it cooks around me. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a music nut. I like everything. So in the trailer, I like a lot of like clutch radio. I'll listen to like, you know, Pantera and I'll listen to some of that heavier stuff. But uh, that's usually when dad's not in the trailer. As soon as he walks in the trailer, he just turns it off. <laughs> that's fantastic. I imagine my dad would do the same thing in my trailer every time he walked in it. Stuff, but I also respect the fact that he does it. So if I'm listening to some headbanger and he walks in, I'm like, just turn it down, Pop. I know you're going to. <laughs> What does the week before a competition look like for you? I mean, especially right now, because you're just going so hard and I'm sure that everything is just pretty much same day. What does that look like? So this is, if you'd have asked me this question two years ago, you had a completely different answer. So I used to talk about how like one day I pulled out meats and one day I did rub, one day I did sauces and things like that. With me cooking every single weekend, it's hard to even explain how efficient I've become. And so but before I leave for a comp, I'll pull my big meats out of the freezer. So those will be pretty much thawed. And then I'm not at all joking. When I tell you Thursday night, I trim every meat, make every sauce, make every rub, make every brine injection, everything. I'll do it all Thursday night and then leave Friday morning. If I get tired Thursday night, I'll trim chicken Friday before I leave. But I used to have something to do every single night. But now with me, you know, trying to open the restaurant and doing the podcast and, and all this and trying to be a dad at the same time, I've, I've kind of found a way to jam it all into one. Yeah. One, you know, when I started, it'd take me 45 minutes to an hour to trim a brisket. And a couple of weeks ago, I had my wife, I had my wife time me just because I was interested. And from cutting the cryo to vacuum sealing, it, caught, it took me about 14 minutes. <laughs> so, you know, you know, you do 40 of them, you know, 40 of them through the season and 20 of them through the off season, you get pretty good. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great take on it too, because you're focused on that one night on everything that you need to do. Yep, exactly. I get it all done. And also, it's the last day before you leave, so it has to get done. So there's no like, oh, well, I, I, I'll do, you know, I'll do pork tonight and I'll do brisket tomorrow. No, it's Thursday, man. You got you to get all this done, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a pork crisis right now. I went shopping today, still have no pork. It's like, okay. Who needs it? Right. <laughs> 
So let's switch gears a little bit. And one of the things that we do a lot is goal setting for the year. And you made a post today or a couple of days ago that you were, you had a contest 15 minutes from your house for, I think, 12 grand, 20 grand, but you were driving eight hours to cook a seven grand contest. In a hurricane. <laughs> in a hurricane, then you said barbecue is dumb. So uh, how do you go about setting these goals for yourself? Well, uh, man, you know, I never thought, I never thought I'd get where I am at barbecue. Like that was always the goal, but that was also always a pipe dream. You know what I'm saying? Like when we started, we were like, well, let's just win a comp. And you know, that took a couple of years. Or, well, let's just, just win two. And you know, you start setting these little goals and now I'm to the point where let's get 40 comps and see if we can be the best in the country. It's like <laughs> last year, you know, it was kind of my breakout year, but I cooked 18, I think, I think, I think 17 or 18 KCBS comps accounted for team of the year. And I cooked 11 St. Louis barbecue society that counted for team of the year. And I ended up winning the St. Louis barbecue society team of the year. And I was like, I think it's 18th in KCBS. But at the end of the year, as proud as I was and as happy as I was, I was like, man, what if I'd have cooked them all in the KCBS? You know what I mean? Like, what if I had 29 KCBS cooks and not, you know, the other way around? So this year was a matter of I wasn't going to cook any St. Louis. I was going to cook all KCBS and just see what we could get to. And I told Dad, I said, if we can be top 10 um, overall and try to be top 10 in all four categories, I'd be pretty happy. But, you know, now we're kind of in the hunt. So your goals kind of change as you, as you go. But I just always want to be better, man. I just, you know, if I finish third this year, I'm going to want to be second next year. You know what I'm saying? I just always want to be better. And now with us opening the restaurant too, then the goals kind of change a little bit. It's more of like kind of building a brand and, and being successful helps get people in your door kind of thing. So, you know, the goals kind of shift as you go. Yeah. Yeah. So cooking this many weekends in a row, I'm sure that you've gotten some gut feelings like, you know, you're standing in the middle of a hurricane in Mississippi and, Maybe the briskets needs more. Maybe something needs more. How do you relate to those gut feelings when you're cooking? I think the gut feelings are what make people great cooks. I mean, you know, if I tell you, hey, Luke, take this pork to 205 and pull it off, you're not a pit master. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're just following a recipe. I might as well give you a recipe to meatballs and tell you to go make spaghetti. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but like this weekend, for example, you know, I follow my, my timeline on ribs. When I went to check them, usually they're, I always check them at 11. And they're usually always just about done or need a little bit of time. And when I opened them up, man, I had bones falling out, just blowing out racks left and right, you know, and I was like, oh, man. So I was able to get them off and get them vented. I never vent them. I always take them to a time and put them in a camera and kind of let them finish the camera. But I knew they were over. So you get them out, get them vented. And when I went to turn them in, they were dead nuts on. I think there's some of those gut feelings where yeah, even the, there's been times I get into a brisket and I, I probe it and I'm like, man, this has got like 15 minutes. And at like the seven minute mark, I'm like, yeah, let's get that brisket out of there. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's what, what you know, makes you, makes you a good pit master is kind of having that gut feeling and, and being able to trust it. Yeah. You know, we had a situation in Wise, Virginia a few years ago where we had a dramatic weather change, especially in barometric pressure, right towards the end, like middle of the cook. I mean, I kept looking at everybody and we're all looking around at each other like because briskets just weren't getting done. You know, yeah. and that was, that was a one time where my gut feeling was like sticking the probe in there and going, man, it doesn't feel great, but it's been in there for an awfully long time <laughs> and it didn't really make any sense. Is there, do you have any, any examples of when it didn't make sense and, but it ended up paying off? 
Well, I had one last year, <clears throat> had a brisket that I got in and it was, it was the time it normally comes off and it was 212 degrees, which, you know, cooking 300 on a, on a gold Wagyu, 212, usually kind of the magic number. And it was tougher than nails. I'm like, mm, okay. So I'm like, I would give it 20 minutes, get back into it 20 minutes and I probe it. It's starting to loosen up a little bit. And I'm like, 212 degrees. All right. Give it a little time. It goes like 20 minutes. I'm like, this, this ain't got to be done. It's just got to be. I get in there, still tough, and it's still 212 degrees. And I'm like, what is going on with this thing? Ended up riding for about an hour and 20 minutes at 212 degrees until it finally broke and I finally got it off. But I spent an hour and a 20 scratching in my head going, this thing's done. Like, I know this thing is done, but I just had to keep pushing it because it just wasn't breaking, you know? Yeah, and that's one of those yeah, one of those things like you've talked about. That's the difference between good and great is being able to have that patience. There's a lot of it, too. Well, if I told you to take a brisket off at 212 and you took it off the first time I probed it versus an hour and 20 minutes later, it would be a completely different brisket. Yeah. This is one of my favorite questions to ask. How important is the art of psyching out your competition and some psychological warfare? You're engaged in a points chase right now. So I'm not as good at it as other people. I'm just not like, I don't have, I don't know. I just don't have the ability to like lie to lie, if that makes sense. So when somebody walks up to me and goes, how was your cook? I'm like, ah, oh, it's pretty good. Like, I don't have the ability just to be like, oh, it sucks. But as I become better friends with Joe and Brad, I'm getting better at it. You know, last week in Mississippi, Brad's like, oh, it's awful. Everything, my whole cook. And I was like, I was like, I had a rough cook, but my end product was pretty good. He's like, I wish I could say the same. And then he walks the field by eight points and gets a 708, you know, and I just, I just don't have the ability to do it. I just, I don't know. I'm just not as good at it. It's one of those things, especially with those two people you just mentioned. Like if I hear those words come out of their mouth, I'm like, we're all screwed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last week we had a little group chat that we were talking about during the cook and like some of the things that they were saying, trying to psych us out was ridiculous. Joe was like, all oh, my barbecue smells like wintergreen skull chew. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense on so many levels. <laughs> All right, let's switch gears again. I got a lot of different subject area here, but this one's one of my favorite because I think that it helps people find little tricks and doodads and things that can help them. What's a purchase of $100 or less that has most positively impacted your barbecue recently or past couple years? In your notes, you said don't say thermopin. I did. (laughs) uh, Honestly, man, I I thought about that a little bit and I, I... for a, as cheap as I could go, I got a Pro Shot injector. They're, they have a Pro Shot 2 that I got and I don't like. Tried the BDI injectors. I've tried the disposal. I've tried a lot of different things. And like I cook so much, but I break them, they fall apart, that kind of thing. But there's a Pro Shot that you can get on Amazon for like 30 bucks. And I can make one, I can make one, maybe two of those last me a whole season of practicing and injecting uh, or practicing and competing. So I would say if you're looking for a good injector, it's going to last at the pro shop. Mm, nice. And we'll put that in the show notes so people can go and find it pretty easily. How much do you depend on technology and how you cook? Are there apps or programs or anything or just yeah, kind of get after it? The way I've built my pits. So I cook on homemade drums and they work on Pitmaster IQs. If, if I don't have them on there, they don't pull enough air to run them. So, that, so I have to have the Pitmaster IQs. So technology is a big part of what we do. Um, so we've always got a couple extra of them and a bunch of probes and things like that. Because if one goes down, you know, our, our pits don't run. Aside from that, you know, not a lot of technology. You know, I've made, you know, my timeline spreadsheets, that kind of thing. But 
mm-hmm. on the day of, it's just we're just cooking food aside from those pit masters. Right on. Who has impacted your life the most in competition barbecue? So this is probably a weird answer, but I'm going to say my dad. I cooked for a whole bunch of years before my dad came on board. A lot of people don't know the whole story, but I cooked with a good friend of mine, Cole Hardy. He got me into barbecue and I was just a chicken guy. And then we had a scheduling conflict. So I cooked a comp without him. That was my first comp as heavy smoke and I RGC'd it. And then I moved forward with my brother-in-law and a good buddy of mine, Danny. After that year, we, it was just me and my brother-in-law, Jimmy. And then my brother cooked with me for that year. And uh, at the end of that year, my brother passed away. And my dad started coming to all the comps after that and just hanging out. And so my brother-in-law, he was cooking and you know, he was, he never cooked. He just helped me run the pits and did that kind of stuff. My dad started coming, my uncle started coming. And then my cousin got super, not cousin, my brother-in-law got super busy and he wasn't able to come and my dad just stepped right in. And so last weekend was the first comp my dad missed at about 80 comps. And I, I couldn't do it without him for a lot of reasons, but also I wouldn't want to do it without him. And to spend every single weekend with my dad and be able to share the success we've had as a father and son team has been real cool. That's great to hear. It's I cooked with my dad last year for the first time, and I can't talk enough about it. It was such a special experience, and I hope that I get to do it a lot more. Well, I hear from so many dads and kids that are like, man, I wish I had something like you and your dad have. Like, I wish we had that thing that we could go share. And I used to hunt with my dad, but I didn't love it. You know what I mean? Like, I'd get out there and I'd hunt, and I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it like I did barbecue. And he probably doesn't like barbecue as much as he likes hunting, but he likes winning. So he likes to come out and do that. I used to go hunting with my dad and I hated it. Why would you like, go out there when it's so cold? <laughs> I was that way. And like, you know, they would want to sit out there all day and they're like, we're going to get a big deer. It'd be like 9am. And I'd be like, you guys know football comes on in a couple hours, right? Like, why are we still in these woods? And then you kill it. And they're like, now nah, we got to cut it up. I'm like, ah, I just, I didn't want to shoot stuff. Cause I didn't want to cut it up. I'd be like, ah, it's down these woods. I, I, I agree a hundred percent. So when you hear the word successful in terms of barbecue, who's the person that comes to mind first? Luke Darnell. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, man, Tuffy Stone. Tuffy Stone's my barbecue idol, man. Like just the fact that, you know, he's done what he's done. He's won so many big comps. He's won just, you know, what's he, a five-time, six-time world champion. The guy is just an absolute monster. He might only cook a few times a year, but he shows up to a major and you know he's a force to be reckoned with. And then he's done so much on the other side of it. Like he's one of the only pit masters in the world that will get recognized walking down the street. I'm like, like that's a cool thing to me, you know, like I was going to the Royal and, you know, we've been a fairly successful team. My buddy's wife's like, Oh, will you, will you see Tuffy? Like, yeah, like, I, like I know Tuffy. Oh, well, well, get a picture with Tuffy. I'm like, okay. Like, you know, you know, I'm okay too. Like I'm a decent cook, you know? Well, cool. Well then get a picture with Tuffy. Please. You know? Yeah. It, that's it. He's just such a great individual. He's got a really cool thing going on in Richmond now with the new restaurant called the Westover. And it is, it's really good. I've stopped in a couple of times. I and, think that's another thing too, is that through all this, he's maintained such a level of like personability. Like he is just a great human. Anybody can walk up to him and he'll talk to him. He's such a genuine guy. And I've never heard anybody say a bad word about him. And so to enjoy the level of success he has and still be the dude that he is, is is pretty great. Yeah. So what's been the most surprising thing to come out of competition barbecue for you? I'll tell you this about two weeks ago, I left my nine to five and I'm starting a restaurant. So that's, (laughs) that's surprising to me. You know, when, when I started, I I worked, I was in retail. I managed, I managed like sprint stores. Yeah. I I was pretty good at it, made decent money, you know, and kind of thought that the business world would be my future. And, 
within eight years of starting competition barbecue, now, you know, barbecue is going to be like my future, my career. And it's just crazy to think that in eight short years that, that we could make a jump like that. And I know, I know you're full time now too. And it's hard, it's hard when you start to see that being the goal and, and it's a cool thing that it is. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's neat how we're paralleling on that. You know, it's pretty neat. <laughs> I found out before I started the restaurant, I was, I was losing my job um, due to some of the things with COVID and it kind of made me make the jump into a restaurant, but I don't know how you were, but like I'd read an interview or read a description for a job and I'd be like, wow, I can do that. That's like right up my alley and I'd probably pay a ton of money and I just don't want to do it. You, you know what I'm saying? And like you see these jobs that other people would kill for and you're like, nah, I'd rather burn meat. You know, like it just something clicks in your head that's like, ah, sitting at a desk or traveling the country or going on sales calls was not not what I wanted to do anymore. Yep. You just, you got to do what makes you happy. That's the number one thing. Yep. And, uh, you know, people say that too. Like if it's, you're truly passionate about it and, you know, you make, you make it your job, your life, whatever, you're going to be successful. Like you will find a way to make it work. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that kind of enthusiasm leads right into the next question. What advice would you give to somebody about to enter competition barbecue? What is what are the things they should think about and what are the things they should avoid thinking about? The best thing that I can tell anybody, and people are going to hate me saying this because I feel like it'll like almost drive people out of barbecue, but you got to be all in or you got to be all out. Like you can't be a guy that cooks six comps a year and practices twice a winter and then also be the guy that gets mad and throws a chair when he doesn't win. Sorry, Matt. But you can't be both those guys. Like you can't be mad that you didn't win when you only cooked six a year. You know what I'm saying? Like you've got to be the guy that wants, Hey, I'm going to cook 30 and then I'll be mad when I don't win 10 of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that, that's one of those things I see guys all the time. Oh, I can't believe I finished 13th. Well, cool. You cooked five comps this year. And the guys that finished one through 12 have cooked their 25 comps this year, you know? So like in all reality, you did good enough, you know, you did what you were supposed to do. So yeah, you gotta be all in, you gotta be all out. What do you think is missing from competition barbecue these days? A couple things really, you know, I've heard a lot of guys answer this question and kind of tell you like the 10 by 10 easy ups and be able to be right next to each other and the camaraderie. I feel like maybe that's missing in the, the way that it used to be, but it's still there. You know, if I go to a comp, I've got, you know, 20 teams there that I'm great friends with. And, and if it ain't raining, we're going to hang out somewhere. We're going to spend time together. So I still feel like there's a lot of that camaraderie there. I kind of agree with Matt that I think there could be a bigger like kind of presentation around it. You know, I think there could be more media, the days of Tuffy and Myron and things like that, 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 you know, people knew who they were. I think it could be presented a little better from that, but man, I, the competition barbecue has grown so much that I think even though there's some of the things that we've lost from when I started, I think we picked up some really cool things. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great, that's a great comment on that. A lot of the things that we always talk about on these podcasts are people's successes. One of the things I like to focus on is a failure. When have you had a failure or an apparent failure during a, a competition that sets you up for a later success? I got a great fail story that I'll tell in a second, but, uh, I feel like every failure is just an opportunity to learn something. You know what I mean? And like, I practice like crazy because I want those failures to happen in my driveway, not at a competition, you know? And so I've failed a whole lot at my house that has allowed me to not fail at a competition, if that makes sense. You know? mm -hmm. So I was in a competition last year 
And I always put a heat deflector in my ribs. I'll flip them halfway through, you know, and so they're, they're bone side down. And I went to flip them over and the bottoms of them were black, not like kind of dark, like black, black to where the guy next to me is standing on his porch and I flipped it over and he's like, Oh, like that's bad. I look in there. I'm like, yeah, we didn't put the heat deflector in. And so they'd just been sitting straight over the fire for an hour, just roaring at 315 degrees. <laughs> so I took them inside and I, I had a spoon in there. I don't know why I had a spoon, but I had a spoon and I scraped everything off the bottoms of them. I re-rubbed them, threw them back on there and set that rub on the bottom. And then I always wrap them bone side up. And so I, I wrapped them bone side down to try to wash some of that off there or whatever. And uh, we ended up getting first in ribs and we beat the RGC by like 14 points. <laughs> so it was just, it was just, we just handed it to them. But it was one of those things that, you know, in practice, things like that have happened. So at the comp, I had a pretty good idea how to fix it. Yeah, that's a great one. That's, I love good failures like that. Every time I drop a piece of meat, I'm like, oh, this might be a good day on this one. <laughs> Talk to Rob Honky, the, you know, my co-host of my podcast at some point. He was he had a Rebel, and he had a, a rack of ribs on there, and he pulled him out to spritz him. And he's looking at his partner as he's spritzing, and his partner's making this horrible face. And he looks back, and uh, instead of the apple juice, Rob grabbed a bottle of Grease Lightning. Oh, gosh. His ribs. <laughs> and so yeah, they were like, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes with the cooks, and he threw them in a bus tub and washed everything off and just basically started over and got like third in ribs. Wow, I've never heard I make notes during the podcast of things that you guys say so I can have it be the title. And I'd already written one down <laughs> said all in or all out. Might change it to grease lightning. <laughs> I like all in or all out, but I like yeah, they're both good. We'll keep it all in and all out. Here's my favorite part of the podcast is where we do these rapid fire questions that I, you know, they really kind of get into who you are a bit and some different things. What's your favorite present that you like to give to people? I love giving away thermopops because they're like 30 bucks and it's the best way to take your buddy, your your neighbor, whoever, from a good cook to a great cook or a bad cook to a good cook. 30 bucks to know what they're cooking meat to. So thermopops are like, yeah, that's that's my go-to. Man, that's a great answer. The best answer so far probably to that one you're gonna start doing it I'm, i may yes absolutely <laughs> bucks for a gift honestly like for christmas is pretty cheap in my eyes so you know you spend a couple hundred bucks and all your buddies get thermopops they love it yeah. I, I give thermopins as wedding gifts you want to see some pissed off wives <laughs> <laughs> what do you see on about barbecue on social media that upsets you oh this could be a whole show let me tell you my biggest pet peeve my biggest pet peeve is when a guy posts a picture of his box and is looking for tips on his box and some other PG here, some other jack wagon posts a picture of their box in response and it looks equally shitty and they don't give any feedback. They're just like, look at my shitty box. And you're like, wow, they look, they both look terrible. Like I would rather him just be like, Oh, well you have a little too much sauce or whatever. Instead of being like, look what I did. You know what I mean? Like it drives me crazy. It's my biggest pet peeve. Yeah, that's in my top three as well. Like, rate my box. Okay, that's shitty. Like, <laughs> people won't take the advice when they're like, "Oh, well, rate my box." And somebody's like, "Well, it's a little too much sauce." And they're like, "That was just the picture." 
well, it looks a little dry. Well, it wasn't. Did you, did you ask for this? Like, just just take it. <laughs> or when a guy gets a perfect score in something and is like, well, rate my box. You got a perfect score. Did you know it's good? Now you're just fishing for compliments. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so do you have a favorite pre, during, or post-game meal? Pizza. It's always pizza. pizza. I struggle with pizza. It's not something that me and my wife have a lot. And it's uh but we've started incorporating it back into the weekly routine. So it's been good. <laughs> For me, it's just like I want something crappy, but I don't want barbecue. I don't even really want sweet or anything. And so in pizza, there's so many variations. I can have a I have a buffalo chicken pizza, or I can have a supreme pizza, or I can have a cheese pizza. You know what I mean? There's just there's so much variation I can have. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it getting a message out to millions, you know, what would it say? It would say hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Wow. That's a third title. You're killing me right now. (laughs) Man, I just believe in it, man. I I heard that when I played football, you know, and it was like, you know, the guy next to me could be a, could be three inches taller and, and faster. But if I showed up every day and worked harder than he did, I was going to bury block him. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, when you, when you work hard and you have talent, then that's where you get to the next level. That's, uh, I, I just kind of live my life by those words. Yeah, yeah. Lastly, what is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? I love gas station food. Like, like you ever go to like a Casey's or one of those and they've got like those cheeseburgers on the spindle thing that you can tell was a frozen patty that they microwaved. And it has the cheese like stuck to the side and the bun's all soggy. I, I love it. I, I'll get that in a monster and be like, I'll be the happiest kid on earth. Or they're like, I go to Casey's and they have pizza rolls. They have pizza rolls that you can buy. And I'm like, I'm going to smash for I love gas station food. That's another title too. They could just be, I love gas station food. Well, Chris, leave, leave the people with your sponsors, your show. Your show's fantastic. Uh, I think it's one of the best barbecue ones out there. So just tell everybody where they can find you out there. Just because you were on it. If you weren't on it yet, you wouldn't be saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably true. Uh, yeah, the, the, the podcast is all that for six pieces. It's it's a complete competition barbecue show. You know, we don't really do anything but competition barbecue. We take a deep dive into each pit master. And you know, our shows might run 40 minutes. They might run an hour and 40 minutes. So, you know, we're just really going to take a deep dive into everything we can with those pit masters. And it's, I think it's turned into a really, really good listen. So that, that's uh, all that for six pieces. Sponsors, I got Cordy, Cordy Meat in Highland, Illinois, and I got KCBarbecueSupply.com. So uh, check those guys out. The Facebook is Heavy Smoke BBQ. Our website's HeavySmokeBBQ.com. So yeah, just check us out. Sweet, man. Well, thank you very much for being on. I really appreciate you taking the time and good luck. Thanks, man. I had fun. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and to share it out with all your friends. Also, be sure to check out the Old Virginia Smoke YouTube channel as well. We will have lots of new videos coming out this week. We will see you next week with one of my favorite cooks right now and one of my favorite people that I've met recently, Bobby Stanfield from BS Barbecue Outlaws. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedenko. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2020.
Imagine you smoke.